Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Octopulse, our Detroit News, Detroit Red Wings podcast. I'm Mark Faulkner, assistant sports editor at the News, and Ted Colfin is our Red Wings beat reporter. Ted, the first round of the 2020 NHL draft is over. Red Wings have a new building block. Steve Eisenman's rebuild, Lucas Raymond. What did you think of the uh, pick, Ted? Well, he was one of those names that were definitely in the mix, quite as much as some of the others, but definitely in the mix. Uh, he's a, I could definitely see why a team like the Wings would be intrigued by him. I mean, talking to a lot of people, he's a prolific offensive player. He's a, he's a goal scorer. He's a playmaker. You can create from the, from the wing, playing the Wings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could, again, I, he's probably be, I mean, I don't think any Wings fans are going to see him in the NHL this coming season, but 2021, 2022, I think there's a good chance he'll be in North America. And there's no question. I mean, he's a legitimate building block for this organization. Uh, Very impressive in the way he, he speaks. You can tell he has a passion for winning. He was honored to be picked by the wings organization. Mm -hmm. I said all the right things. Here's what Iserman had to say about scouting Raymond. Playing for the men is a little bit different. Uh, he didn't play a major role on that team. He was playing in a very good league, uh, getting, um, you know, didn't get a lot of ice time. So, you're, you know, it, it, again, as these kids are all in different leagues, playing at different levels, various amounts of ice time. So it makes it a bit more of a challenge. But, you know, we're watching him specifically. You, you, you assess their skills, their skating ability, their competitiveness, their thinking. So, uh, and then it's somewhat of a projection as well to think, okay, what – what, what can he do against his own age group? Now, Ted, you were on the conference call uh, late Tuesday night with Raymond, Steve Eisenman, and Chris Draper. What were some of the highlights there? I think the main thing, Mark, was just the fact that they really liked his hockey IQ, his instincts, mm-hmm. his, the way he plays the game. Um, Chris Draper made a point of how they want to be an intelligent, competitive, smart hockey team. And Raymond pretty much checks off all those boxes. And Eiserman said the same thing. So they like the way he plays the game, his instincts on the ice. That really stood out. And as far as Raymond, yeah. you can tell the kid was very happy to be picked by the Red Wings. I mean, being a Swedish kid, obviously he knew or knows all the history with all the great Swedes that have played here. And he was very excited to be joining your organization. Here's your questions to Raymond about the Swedish Hockey League and his favorite NHL players. Hey, Lucas. Welcome to Detroit. A couple quick ones. First off, how does playing or how has playing against men in Forlunda last season or two helped you as a player? And do you think it's progressed you at this point, maybe a little further ahead than most most guys? Uh, yeah, I think it has. It has helped me a lot. Uh, I mean, not just on the ice, but off the ice as well. Uh, I mean, with guys like Joel Lundqvist on our team, uh, a lot of those guys to look up to and really, uh, really learn from. Uh, but also on the ice, I mean, it's it's a different game. I think uh, you really have to be be strong in the battles around the boards and really take what's given as well. Uh, really have the the attacking mindset. Uh, so I think it ha- it has helped me a lot. Is there an NHL player that you like to pattern your game after? Um, I don't really pattern my game after one player like that. I think I, I like to 
to take parts from different players as much as possible because uh, everybody is really good at something. Uh, so trying to pick different parts from from different players. Who do you like to watch, or who do you like? Who, who's one of your favorites right now? Uh, I mean, the it's a lot of good players to watch. I mean, uh, Crosby, Panarin, McDavid. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun guys to watch. I mean, I don't get to watch the games that often because it's usually pretty pretty late and uh, here in Sweden. Uh, so it's mostly highlights. Uh, and growing up watching Patrick Kane, uh, Ovechkin, all those guys. So. Uh, it's a lot of fun players to watch. Thanks, Lucas. I talked to Raymond a couple of times this past year, once in Plymouth with the summer showcase. The Swedes were there, and he talked about uh, playing alongside Alexander Holtz and looking forward to the season. And then later in the year, I talked to him as well. And my story, uh, Ted, kind of focused on how he was flying under the radar on a four-line team like Eisenman with Peterborough and a defense-first philosophy team like Iserman, also in Peterborough. Less than 10 minutes of ice time per game with an older team. The captain, Joel Lundquist, 38 years old, the twin of former Rangers goalie Henrik Lundquist. Raymond was scratched several times during the season with a really solid five-time champion for Lunda team. And just a couple other things that he told me about, too. His mom, Cecilia, is a personal trainer and nutrition coach. And he's from Gothenburg, the home of a Red Wings nemesis, Jorgen Patterson, who fought Steve Eiserman in Eiserman's first fight. Eiserman had only nine fights in 22 years. Patterson also scored three goals in Eiserman's rookie season in the 84 playoffs, three goals in the elimination game to knock the Red Wings out in game four. So a little bit of background there. But the major and, difference there, Mark, is the fact that Eiserman played against people his own age. Mm -hmm. With Raymond, he played against men, and Draper made a good point, and actually Eiserman too, but more so Draper, about the fact that how he handled the adversity of playing against men. And like you said, he, there were nights that he was scratched, nights he'd get several shifts a game, didn't get the ice time that, you know, he's used to. But he made the most of it. He handled the adversity well. And, again, that's another major reason, they another positive that they saw in him. That that's why they wanted to draft him this evening. I mean, the guy has been through some tough situations already, and he's handled it well. And he, he's playing well this year for Ferlanda already. So, mm -hmm. again, it was a, just handling that adversity, knowing – what it takes to overcome it that should help them going forward here. Ted, any other uh, surprises in the first round? It went Lafreniere, Byfield, Stutzel, Raymond. Jake Sanderson went up to number five, Drysdale number six, Holt seven, Quinn eight, Rossi nine, Perfetti ten, and then Askarov, the goalie, 11 to Nashville. Anything jump out at you there? No, not at all. I mean, it pretty much went according to plan. If anything, maybe I had Drysdale, from what I had heard, a little higher than Sanderson. But Sanderson was a kid that evidently moved up here in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I think Ottawa made, got themselves pretty, had themselves a pretty good draft, a pretty good evening. I mean, they added three players that should help them in the years ahead. Before the draft, you reported on Steve Eiserman's exposure to COVID. He tested negative. Did he comment on that, or do you think it had any effect on day one of the draft? None whatsoever. The only thing was <laughs> he did enjoy having a swab put up his nose uh, for the last several days. I don't think he enjoyed that very much. 
No impact whatsoever. No impact whatsoever. No. Earlier in the day, you also reported on Justin Abdelkader being waived for purposes of his release. What do you make of that move? Iserman said that it was basically a cost move. I mean, they'll, they can get a player to fill that spot for significantly less than they were paying Justin Abdelkader. You could probably see the writing on the wall. If not this offseason, it was going to be next offseason. Justin Abelkers, he's been a great, you know, he's he's been a f- great Red Wing. I mean, he's on and off the he's on a, off the ice. He's been a great guy in the community and whatnot. On the ice, he had a, several really good years, but then he got the big contract and just never was able to play up to that salary number. Uh, mm. He was rapidly declining the last couple of years. Uh, the speed, the quickness was just wasn't there, and especially in today's game. And he didn't really – he wasn't as much of a physical presence as they needed or wanted. So you can see the writing on the wall. Um, can he play in the NHL still? That's debatable. Maybe he can find a job as a fourth-liner somewhere. There's going to be a lot of veterans – along those same lines that are going to be looking for jobs here in the next couple of weeks or months ahead. And it's not, it's not a given that he's going to be back in the NHL. Speaking of which, Ted, you said the wings have until Wednesday at 5 PM to submit qualifying offers to the uh, restricted free agents like Anthony Mantha and Tyler Bertuzzi. You also mentioned five other players, Christopher N, Adam Ernie, Brendan Perlini, Dimitro Timoshov, and Madison Bowie. Ernie, he gave up a fourth-round pick for, and Perlini for Alec Regula. What do you see there with seven players, uh, Ted? Anything that jumps out at you? I think the one that they will not bring back is Perlini. I mean, he was just – I mean, he just did not impress at all. And mm-hmm. he had a lot of chances, too, and he just did not impress. I think they'll go a different direction there. Madison Bowie, I could see them bring back, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if they didn't. I think everybody else, I think Ernie, Ernie is basically a younger Justin Abdelkader, so I can see mm-hmm. fulfilling a role on the fourth line. Uh, and Timoshoff, I think they were they liked what they saw in a brief look-see last year after they picked him up on waivers, I, so I would expect him to be qualified. But again, it's, it's an interesting it's an interesting time because there's so many players that are going to be available. Probably mm-hmm. balance that. It's like, can you do much better with people that are in the open market? So it'll be interesting to watch here. Then it'll be an interesting week. You also tweeted earlier in the night, Ted, that Andreas Athanasiu will become an unrestricted free agent. That Ken Holland did not uh, submit a qualifying offer. Steve Eisman got two picks for Athanasiu. So looking at that now, that looks that looks pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah, it does look like a very good trade. And what a fall from grace for Andreas Athanasiu. Uh, probably felt he was going to get a long-term big money deal last summer and last offseason. Now he's essentially on an unemployment line. That I means he's going to be an unrestricted free agent Friday. I don't think there's going to be a ton of interest. There might be some for very low money and uh he's in danger he's got to prove himself all over again he had a did not have a very good season at all in detroit or edmonton and 
there's a lot of kids going to be coming up looking for jobs here. So he's going to be not in the mix for a lot of, <laughs> a lot of jobs out there. A lot of rosters are set. He's, he's going to be one of those types that might be going into training camp looking at for a tryout, basically. Ted, a couple of other highlights uh, during the, the draft. The Winnipeg Jets honored the late Dale Howardchuk. His wife thanked hockey fans. Alex Trebek came up with a selection for the Ottawa Senators. And San Jose Sharks, Doug Wilson Jr., apparently, Ted, he paused and used sign language to communicate with the parents of Ozzy Weisblatt of Prince Albert. Both parents are deaf. It was really a highlight of the evening. Also, um, anything else that stood out to you, Ted, as far as um, what happened with the, the Red Wings and anything else during that first round? Uh, overall, I just thought it really was missing something without being in the arena and the fans and mm-hmm. the atmosphere. I know the NFL pulled it off. The NHL did as well as they could here with this thing, and those were definitely highlights that you mentioned, but... Overall, I think everybody just, you could tell everybody missed the passion and excitement of being in an arena. It just did not quite feel the same, I thought. Now, round number two, the Red Wings have the first pick of the second round. I listed some of the uh, NHL Central Scouting's top-ranked players who will be available, including the German forward John Jason Paterka, who was a teammate of Tim Stutzel's. There's also a defenseman who's been compared to Dallas's John Klingberg, Helge Granz from Malmo. He's 6'2", 205. There's also this other defenseman as well with Malmo who might be there. William, well, he is available, William Wallander. He's 6'4", 195 pounds. Jeremy Poyev of St. John, he was the number 18 North American skater. Uh, he led all Quebec defensemen in goals. So there's three defensemen there that are available. I mentioned Paterka. There's a couple of um, national development team program players, uh, Ty Smolanik and Thomas Bortolo. Those are possibilities. There's also a Lucas Raymond uh, a line mate or teammate, Daniel Torgerson. He's 6'3", 200 pounds, so he's there. And then goalies later on, Nicholas Dawes of Guelph and maybe even Drew Comesso of the USA hockey program. But lots of possibilities, right, Ted? There's like three second rounders, two third rounders. So the Red Wings are still a lot of good players on the board, obviously. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked maybe if they made some trades too, just maybe package some of those picks for picks in this draft or maybe next year. Um at this point, Mark, I mean, there are a lot of names. I mean, none of us have basically really mm-hmm. seen any of these kids too much. So at this point, just it's up to the scouts to deliver. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's pretty crucial to find players in these rounds. And they'll definitely, they definitely have a lot of picks, a lot of chances to unearth some gems. So we'll see what, what happens here. That will wrap up episode 37 of Octopulse. We'll be back tomorrow for rounds two through seven. Thanks for listening, everyone. Good night, and we'll see you Wednesday, Ted. See you then, Mark.